Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Raina Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant line, raid line, whatever, isn't completely full. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Can, can I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch, claw, up against the wall. Can't explain that what I'm feeling right now, guys. I can't believe it. Let's open up that race line. Woohoo! Oh, I can't believe USD has hired Lincoln Riley. Oh, yeah. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Rain of Troy Radio. It is the CarCast after USC 66-14 to 14 win over the Nevada Wolfpack at the Coliseum. We're going to give you our reactions to the game and all of that here on this car cast. Uh, as always, I'm your host, Mike Garcia, joined along with my co-host in the Rancher studio in Los Angeles, Elisa Daratola. Hello, everybody. Hello. Uh, it's another car cast. Uh, it's another game where we're live on, on, on YouTube, another podcast where we're live on YouTube. Uh, super excited for everybody uh, waiting for us here at 9 p.m. on a uh, Saturday night. Um Love to see that. Love big shout out to everybody in the chat joining us here live on YouTube. Uh, be sure to like the screen, this the stream, uh, and make sure that you're subscribed. Helps grow the show. Um, Alicia, it's it's officially, 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 officially college football season. First full day of college football, huh? It's week one. First full Saturday of college football. Mm-hmm. We had a nice taste on on. Thursday and Friday night, uh, and then Saturday hit bright and early and Colorado did a thing. And then, (laughs) you know, we got to, we got to enjoy the rest of the day of college football. So it's always good to have week one week zero is fun when you're, when you're playing, uh, but it doesn't really start to feel like the season until a week one Saturday where there are literally Mm -hmm. 1500 games going on. Yeah. Uh, College game day might not have come into your city anymore, but well, they do have they do have it. Wait, did they, they did a revert. They did a a, a a new an update of it. Okay, because I was say they might not have that, but um, that's how you know that it's actually college football season. There's a game day yes. to begin. Yes, game day. Um, before we get talking to about the game USC and Nevada, I just want to let you know this episode is of course brought to you by. DraftKings, uh, and if you're a new user, you can receive 150 bucks in bonus bets instantly. Just following three steps: create an account, deposit, and then wager five bucks on any sport. Whether your first wager wins or loses, you still receive the 150 dollars in bonus bets. All you have to do is use the code Reign of Troy when you sign up. The best part: using that code Reign of Troy not only gets you the bonus, but it helps support 
this show, this podcast itself. Uh, so if you're considering joining up for DraftKings, definitely use our code Reign of Troy to maximize those first bets. The offer is available for new customers who are 21 plus and physically present in legal gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly and check the episode description for the full terms of the offer. Alicia, we, we are excited because um, SC will be heading to a legal gambling state soon. Arizona State game in a few weeks. Yeah, and so there's no you, better time to sign up for DraftKings than when you head over yeah, to Tempe. Exactly. So there you go. All right, Alicia, let's get into it. USC and, and Nevada, 66 to 14. You were, of course, uh, covering all of the college football stuff for fansided. I was there at the game. We have watched separately. We've barely talked at all about this. Uh, I think all we all we really talked about was like the Deuce Robinson touchdown. Um, sorry, Keely. Um, but tell me your thoughts. Your, your thoughts about USC's win over Nevada. Oh, um, this is what you should do to Nevada. This is what mm-hmm. I think a lot of USC fans were hoping to see in week zero against San Jose State. And a lot of USC fans were frustrated that they didn't see something closer to this against San Jose State. And I know I personally went into this game thinking I really need to see something from USC defensively that makes me not, that doesn't send me into a panic. Uh, And I think that is exactly what happened here. I think I could spend two hours talking about how much I love this offense and how much joy it brings into my life uh, mm-hmm. and how I am enamored with so many players on this offense. So you, you wouldn't, we'll you wouldn't throw it out with like the condo stuff, the condo method? No, no, I would it, not. It, 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 it does spark joy, yes. Yeah. But okay. I was just about ready to throw out the defense uh, after <laughs> one or two plays because so, it was not sparking joy, Michael. It's, it's uh, true. But, I do. I we will we will talk and I will wax poetic about some of the the, the players on offense because they absolutely deserve it. But I do want to give a shout out to the defense, especially knowing that Eric Gentry and Mason Cobb were both injured and not playing in this game. Um, especially given that USC gave up that big that big uh, big pass early on to set up a touchdown early in the game, the the defense really could have fallen into a pit and, and had a lot of, uh, had a lot of trouble and, and, and mentally not been there, but they bounced mm-hmm. back. And this is exactly the performance that I expect to see from a USC defense. Even if we, when we talked all off season about how we won't know anything positive about the USC defense for the first six weeks of the season, which by the way, we need to adjust because we will find out a, a lot about the USC defense earlier than we thought, because Colorado is in is the fifth game and having watched what that what that offense game, is, yeah. what that offense is capable of okay now we maybe need to adjust we will find out a little bit more about the USC defense a little mm-hmm. bit sooner but in games where we weren't going to necessarily find out is this a good defense the thing we needed to see was it's not a terrible one though and I think that's what we saw in this game we saw guys out there making plays uh, with the exception of one or two moments where an explosive play happened, which happens, I, I can live with it to a, to a certain degree. Yeah, uh, in, in the way that 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 it went down, for the most part, 
we saw a drastic improvement from USC's defense. Now, is uh, Brendan Lewis as good of a quarterback as Chevin Cordero? No, he's not. Um, but USC didn't make him look like a better quarterback than he is. And I think that was that yeah. sort of my important point is there were things from last week that very clearly to me got cleaned up on individual levels. And uh, in general, the defense as a whole came out there and, and did their jobs. Mm-hmm. And that was extremely encouraging for a unit that really needed to to show us something. A hundred percent. Yeah. For me, this was um, not a perfect game. Um, I, 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 I don't know how you, you have a perfect game against Nevada because part of the perfect thing is, you know, you 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 only can beat the team in front of you, right? And 80 to nothing would have been a perfect game. I guess 80 game. to nothing and allowing no first downs or something yeah. like that. I, I guess that's the perfect game. Um, yeah. But having said that, I think this absolutely was a game that is exactly what you want. It's exactly what you should be doing. Um all the time, I look at the college football sc- scoreboard, um, and you see other teams um, that SC wants to be like, or that SC is ranked higher than, and you see what they do to teams. Ole Miss beat Mercer seventy-three to seven, right? Oregon beat Penn uh, Portland State eighty-one to seven. Notre Dame beat Tennessee State fifty-six to three. Oklahoma beat Arkansas State 73 yeah. to nothing. Georgia 48-7 over UT Martin, right? And you see those, and if you juxtapose that next to the scoreline of the San Jose State game, 56-28, that doesn't look as pretty, you know? Uh, the 56-28 game offensively, uh, the game that was totally great to see in, in Week 0 for the Trojans on offense, but... On defense, left a lot to be desired, and we talked about that probably um, maybe too much over the the past week, right? But this game, I think, is exactly the type of game that you want to have in a week one situation, even if it's game two. In this game, SC outscored Nevada, sorry, outgained them 668 to 360. 308 more total yards on 18 fewer plays. SC only ran 54 plays in this game. Only 54. And they gained 668 yards. 12.4 yards per play is absolutely bananas. And you can look at the defensive performance and say, oh, well, they gave up five yards per play. Um, That's that's not great. Um, It's... Okay, decent compared to what SC was doing last year. Sure, I'll give you that. But I think that anyone really who watched this game realized that for the vast majority of this game, SC on defense did exactly what you want to see. Um, uh, Troy over at uh, Rise of the Kumquats, by the way, great name, uh, sent us a tweet. Final tally, three plays of Nevada's resulted in 183 yards. The 69 other plays, 177. Yeah. That's that's what it comes down to for me. Like, yeah, yeah you obviously can't get rid of those three plays. Damani Jackson getting burned on the first drive. Uh, Anthony Beavers getting burned for a 77-yard touchdown in the fourth quarter. But 
I do not care. I do not care about a garbage touchdown in the fourth quarter. Do not care. Um, you put up 66 points so so that you don't have to care about those situations. Mm-hmm. Um, the backup quarterback for, for Nevada comes in as four of five, 129 yards and a touchdown. Uh, John Jackson, the third, catches three passes for 52 yards in that fourth quarter. Good for him. Good for him. Seriously, good for him. Like, yeah. who cares? Who honestly cares? SC gave up one huge play in this game um, with the first team defense, and it was Demonte Jackson getting beat over the top, and they didn't do anything else. Like, Nevada did not do anything else in this game. They made Brendan Lewis look like he was still at Colorado. Sean Dollars, nine carries, 33 yards, average 3.7 on the ground. Yeah, that's what you want to do. You want to you want to make those guys somewhat irrelevant in terms of being able to move the ball up and down the, the field. And Nevada did not do that. Like the biggest thing, though, the biggest thing there was that I don't think Brendan Lewis is as good of a quarterback as Chevin Cordero is. But right, he can, but they made, he, but, but but they he made also him, they made him look like he wasn't. But like he that's can, the point. But he can also run. Yes, like, he. There's no reason that Brendan Lewis couldn't do to the USC defense. With his legs, what yes. Shevin Cordero did right. to the USC defense with his legs last week. And the big thing for me is that they cleaned that up. Mm-hmm. There was a particular play uh, that I, I just absolutely loved with uh, with Rajon Davis, where they eat, whether it was by Rajon recognizing and being smart and understanding what his role was mm-hmm. in terms of not letting the quarterback get, get away there, or whether this was specific tactically that the the linebackers were told you know stay stay home you know keep contain all of that um whatever it was it worked because that one that that specific play where like Rajon Davis very very clearly could have tried to be more aggressive and get after the quarterback but instead he, he went back he waited he let the quarterback come to him yeah um in general there was one where Jamil um, Jamil Muhammad was there Bear Alexander gets pressure up the middle and gets the quarterback on the run, and and Jamil Muhammad is right there, ready to just to clean up the play and not let it turn into a broken play where he scrambles scrambles away. Those were the things that USC was not doing last week. Last mm-hmm. week they were getting pressure, and there was nobody there to clean up the play if the quarterback didn't didn't immediately get taken down. Yeah, this week there was that was just not what was happening. And yes, you can you can compare the offenses between San Jose State and Nevada, but. I will continue to say, like, Nevada's offense is not good, but it, like statistically, but they made them go- not look good. Statistically, like, going into the season, it's not like Nevada's offense was like miles away from right. San Jose State's offense. Sure. San Jose State's offense isn't that good either, but USC made them look better than they were. Like we were saying, this was an offense at Nevada that had been bolstered by a bunch of of, of Power Five transfers that could have that that had a you know some some amounts of talent that was available to them and USC took care of business kept things in front of them mm-hmm. they were aggressive but not over aggressive yeah. they didn't get caught uh, with the exception of the one play where and even on that play like i don't know like that is the kind of play that happens in college football that is the kind of play where you where you put your trust in your corner and you, he's in a one-on-one situation. He just doesn't make the play. Right. That's going to happen. You obviously want Damani Jackson to clean that up. You obviously want all of your cornerbacks to not get caught up in those situations where 
mm-hmm. uh, where they're not able to make those plays 100%. But they happen and you have to deal with them. The broader defensive picture from today outside of, you know, what was one or two moments, which in the past for for this USC defense has been five or six moments. So, you know, cutting down on that is is very, very positive. Um, it, it just... The, the, the positives were all over the place, especially in comparison to last week. Yeah, yeah. And you look at, you know, the the offensive and the defensive performance combined, um, and it results in making this scoreline look like it was what it was supposed to, to look like. We, I saw a, a comment from Tim earlier in the chat that, that said that, you know, SC was favored by 38 and a half and they did what they were supposed to do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They They did what they were supposed to do. And how many times have you seen USC do what they're supposed to do against a bad team in the last decade? Yeah. Like, I, I'm not going to, you know, sit here and say that, like, this win over Nevada means, like, you know, a, a title is near or something. Like, I'm not going to do that. That's, that's, that's obviously silly. But, like, it's just refreshing to see SC actually do what they're supposed to do on the field here. Um, because we've seen so many times where SC gives up, you know, last week gave up 28 points, right? Um, the offense, yes, it's a, it's a week one situation last week, game one situation last week. Um, and I think there probably should be some leniency for that, given all the rotation and stuff, but like other teams don't have that problem. And SC did not have that problem today. You look at it on offense and this was an incredible, incredible performance, just obliterating a team that you should obliterate. Yeah. Caleb Williams in this game had one drive. He led one drive that had more than five plays. That was his last one, a touchdown drive of seven plays. You look at SC's drive chart. Four for 79, um, five for 32, two first downs and a punt, uh, but four for 54, four for 45, four for 68, three for 64, uh, another three and out randomly placed in there. Um, like... You know, you just go down the list, and SC was just slicing and dicing on, U- on offense, unstoppable. USC averaged 12.4 yards per play. Yeah. 18.1 yards per completion. Mm-hmm. 10.8 yards per rush. That's what you want to do. We, I mean, in, in, the, the, in a situation like in this, the pre- yes. In the preview, when we were talking, like, I, I, I said, I'm sorry, Nevada, this is this is this is not fair. This is a mismatch. This is not yeah. Nevada does is not capable of slowing down this USC offense, mm-hmm. and that came to pass. They just it's there's too much. There's too much firepower. What are you What are you supposed to do if you're Nevada? What are you supposed to do if you aren't a an elite elite defense going against the players that USC has? And it starts with Caleb Williams, who is. Even in a routine, like he 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 makes a five touchdown performance look routine. Mm-hmm. He does incredible things on plays that ninety nine percent of the quarterbacks in the country would either just get the ball, throw the ball away, or take a sack, or have a bad a negative play. He turns them into thirty yard gains. He turns them into touchdowns. It it is. Yeah. I, it is it is astounding the the talent that Caleb Williams is, and he has so much skill around him. He can hand mm-hmm. the ball off to Marshawn Lloyd, who just is a joy incredible. a yeah. joy to watch. Marshawn Lloyd is 
by far my favorite new player on this team. And that's include like Zach Branch, Zachariah Branch is an incredible player that makes me hold my breath on every return and looks like he could break literally every return. But to me, there's just like a singular joy in having Marshawn Lloyd in that zero out there. Mm-hmm. Spinning dudes, putting him in a spin cycle, running them over, catching a pass where he just streaks <laughs> up the middle of the field. Like, yeah, that's my new favorite play of all time. That that, that I, play I, is in every Madden playbook and it never it works. never works. Never works. It never works because you never have a quarterback like Caleb Williams and a running back like Marshawn Lloyd to make it work. Like, I don't, I don't know. Just Marshawn Lloyd was immense. Mario Williams was immense. Taj Washington, again, the most underrated man in the country, mm-hmm. immense. Brendan Rice w- ha- popped up with some great plays. Um, Dorian Singer had that incredible catch on that on that play where Caleb made something out of nothing. Yeah, Michael Dorian. Jackson- Dorian one hand singer. Yeah, Dorian yeah. one hand singer. Uh, it's wild that Dorian Singer could do that in this game, and it's 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 not even like the top ten of my favorite moments of the game. Uh, Michael Jackson the third comes back and catches the touchdown. Mm-hmm. It just every everything about this offensive performance is is just it's so much fun to watch. And the thing is, yes, it's Nevada. We will continue to say it. like yes, it, yes, it's Nevada. Whatever. But there have been many, 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 many out-of-conference cupcake opponents that USC has played with terrible defenses that USC did not bring this much joy in terms of the offensive performance that USC put out on their on, on the right. field. This is uh, how not- many times have you seen a game in which the backup quarterback could not get in, right? Yeah, or could, or yes. could not get in early on in the game. And Miller Moss in this game was able to throw 10 passes. He threw 10 passes. When was the last time you saw a backup quarterback throw 10 passes in a game? He ran he went ran multiple drives as though it was this really did sort of feel like preseason action in the sense that the backups got full yeah. like full actual football to play instead of just come in and hand off the ball and run out the clock. Like USC was not running out the clock with those guys. They were getting them actual valuable reps. Mhm. Uh, and and that is and that is wonderful because how many years have we complained about how USC wasn't getting their backup quarterbacks enough reps? Yeah, uh, in in, exactly. in real time, weren't getting the backups enough reps reps. And in this game, that's that's you know they got they got the job job done early enough and and got it done impressively enough that you could go out there and say you know what go out there Miller Moss do your thing it's it's Miller time for for a while. Yeah, I was I was thinking about it like when's the last time an SC backup got this much run in a game um, and was able to be productive and just run the offense. I really liked how they just ran the offense with him still. Yeah, yeah. Um, Because, yeah, he he needs time. He needs to be able to to develop uh, in a world in which you need to call on him. You want to be able to do it uh, with the confidence that he can run the offense and do all the things. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just looked it up, so... I, this is just me spitballing that this is the answer. It might not be the answer here for you, but John David Booty in 2005 is what I was thinking of. He did not have a game where he threw for over 100 yards. Uh, Miller Moss in this game threw for 134. Um, mind you, 71 of those came on a 
pass to Deuce Robinson where Deuce Robinson is just sort of open and then just runs. Um, go, walking through a, a, a breakdown in defense. So, yeah, there were a lot of yak yards. I don't care. He Miller Moss did what he was supposed to do, and he was super productive. 7 but of 10, 134 yards. That's what you want to do. But that's uh, Miller Moss. Like that, that, This is, this is right. the thing is... Miller Moss is not Caleb Williams. They're not the same kind of quarterback. And Mm -hmm. this is the kind of offense that Miller Moss would need to be running. He would need to be the point guard quarterback who's getting the ball in the hands of of playmakers and letting them, you know, make plays in, in, in space. And that's Miller Moss was connecting with his receivers in, in, and, and moving the ball and doing so effectively. And that's all you can ask for from, from the backup. Like that you're, you're getting him valuable reps to get into a rhythm in the offense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think you look at everything in this, in this game, I think that you can really feel good about the exception of like two things. Uh, do Jackson getting beat down the sideline and on the second play of the game and the penalty by Tackett Curtis but like, how am I serious? The percentage of like serious concern I have about those things is is minimal compared to anything else. Because yeah. SC did what they were supposed to in this game. Um, yes, the and that's refreshing. Yes, one hundred percent. Damani needs to needs to clean up his game. But sure. at the same time, I came out of last week's game saying that Kalen Bullock needed to clean up his game. Yeah, the, and Kalen Bullock. The, this came is what out- the early season games are for. And and Kalen Bullock came out flying, yeah, and absolutely he, yeah, answering every question. He was he was everywhere. I was critical of him last week. He mm-hmm. was everywhere. I'm very very happy to see that happen. Damani Jackson. If this happens to him, he'll either clean it up or he won't, and he'll keep his job or he won't. You know, like sure. USC has depth at corner that they can that they can use if they if if guys don't don't clean up those those situations. Um, the Tackett Curtis. Targeting. Uh, tar- targeting penalty. Uh, is, um, I don't care if you're a freshman or a veteran, you sh- should not be hitting a guy the way that Tackett Curtis hit him. I'm sorry. Right. It's, it's just right. the way it is. It, it's but, a play that in the moment should have been flagged. I don't know why they didn't I, flag it in the moment. Because Pac-12 refs are incompetent. But like, I think they were Mountain, we- Mountain West. Oh, are they Mountain West? Uh, whatever, refs, refs. whatever refs they are, were. It, I don't know how you don't... There are hits that are not targeting, but because the helmet comes off because of the violence of the thing that they just float, throw the flag that it's targeting because it's so jarring. It could it could look like it is. You you throw the flag and then you do the review yeah. and then figure I it don't out later. Know, I don't know how they didn't react to that because the, yeah. the moment it happened, I was like, no, 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 <laughs> no, no. Um. So on that front, it just it just can't get can't happen. Right. At the same time, as we talked about in the, in the Discord while it was happening, like Tackett Curtis is an aggressive defender who is going to, his aggression's going to get the better of him and the one thing I can say is at least he did it now in a Absolutely. game yes. that isn't going to impact he's not going to be suspended next week or anything like that and it can mm-hmm. be a, it can be a learning experience for him because he cannot hit like you you cannot you, right. do that hit it just flat out cannot yeah but yeah. now he's done it and now he should know from experience it's there's there's no excuse for the hit sure, yeah. surely it's a it's a mistake that 
Yeah. Um, it's a you could say it's a freshman mistake, but it would be uh, a mistake regardless of what your your eligibility is, right? But yeah. my thought is like at the same time, like you a you want your your young your young guys to feel comfortable to be aggressive, and I think that this is a good learning opportunity for him to see that not in this way get the suspension and you learn from it and you do it against Nevada in a game that is not going to end up hurting you um well, not, like, like not, the, not that you want to like pick and choose when you're suspended obviously but, but what I'm saying yeah. is like it's better that it happens in a moment where it's not going to bite you early on in your career so you can learn from it so it doesn't it's hopefully in in a position to where you know a year from now in a key moment that you really need him to not make a play like that he doesn't do it yes um will he or, or can we be sure that like that won't happen of of course not those things just happen even when you're not trying for them to happen sometimes in the in the heat of the moment mm-hmm. things are so you know bang bang that they just happen at the same time yeah i I said it last week. I know we got a comment on YouTube about, like, I, I think misunderstanding what I was saying. I think young players are allowed to make mistakes and learn from them. Yeah. I'm not saying that, like, encouraging people to make mistakes, but the whole point of young, of development is you learn from your mistakes. You learn from the opportunities that you're given um, and the opportunities that you create. This is an opportunity for him to learn from it. Um, yes, I would rather him not have to learn this particular lesson. Right. And I would have rather had him in... There were a lot of valuable reps he missed out. Like, I'm yes. not, I don't want to sugarcoat well, it. Well, especially on a, on, a, on a day where where Gentry and Cobb don't play as yeah, middle linebacker. Yeah, he lost a lot of valuable reps. Right. Um, but at the same time, again, it happens... I don't think he was out there trying to like headhunt on purpose. Right. And he I don't think it's to... worth talking about five minutes on a car cast either. You well, know what I mean? I like... mean, it, it's, it's also just something that came up. So, um, I will say, uh, just to, to spin this over to, to something else though, is that what Tackett Curtis did there was, was silly and he paid the price for it. But what we saw from like someone like Rajon Davis and Shane Lee is, people taking advantage of uh, of their teammates mistake and and tag mm-hmm. it getting ejected um means that when we you- got to see a lot of of Rajon Davis we got to see a lot of of Shane Lee and both of those players really stepped up and mm-hmm. did the job and i think i i don't know the coaches will think what they think but to me i how did Rajon Davis not earn a a good deal of real playing time in this game because I I didn't see him making mistakes no I, I didn't see mistakes like really throughout the entire roster for the most part I thought every SC played a very sound game um, with the exception of those you know the, the the big pass plays um, defensively Shane Lee led the team in tackles with 10 he had a sack he had a tackle for loss um, that sack was brilliant he just blitzes up the A gap uh, and forces Brendan Lewis to do this weird thing where he runs backwards and loses an additional five yards. Yeah, good times. Um, but, you know, he forced him into that situation. You you want to force guys into their mistakes. Uh, and Shane Lee did that. I thought Shane Lee had a very good game, um, took advantage of the opportunity that he got with 
Gentry and Cobb not being in there. Um, and Rajon Davis, the same thing. Uh, Tackett Curtis goes down with the uh, with the ejection, and the, you don't have the other guys in there, and he was solid. Four tackles. One of those as a solo tackle did have a quarterback hurry on top of that. Um, I thought the defense uh, looked good throughout, and especially at linebacker. I thought there was very good linebacker play. Um, when you talk about the sort of um, front six, front seven, whatever you want to call it, I thought the Trojans were very good there. Um, Nevada could not run the ball efficiently at all. Uh, 38 carries, 49 uh, rushing yards for an average of 1.3 yards per carry uh, in total. Uh, if The sack-adjusted rushing average is 2.7 yards per carry. Uh, compare that to what SC did on offense at 11.7. Um, yeah, I think that's good. I think, I think that's absolutely good. Uh, the Trojans were able to get to uh, Lewis and Bianco. Five total sacks in this game for the Trojans. Ten tackles for loss. There were three pass breakups. A couple of forced fumbles. Um, one of them they recover. Stanley Telfo, um on a, on a scoop and score. Braylon Shelby. Coming around Popping the up. edge mm-hmm. and throwing his hand out there and and strip stripping on a strip sack like I I thought the the defense um, had the just the right amount of aggression I do think that there is some of that is a, is there's some results biased in there that w- this this defense looks very good when they're able to make the play <laughs> yeah like that sounds silly right but yeah. like you look at last week. Look at how aggressive they were on those third downs. They didn't make the play, right? Like they were able to, uh, Cordero was able to shimmy out and pick mm-hmm. up the, the 28 yards on third and 22. In this game, SC made all those those plays on third down. They were able to get to him. And last week, if like the blitzes were effective in that they forced Cordero, Cordero out of the pocket, they weren't effective in terms of actually getting to him. Uh, and today they were effective in getting to him. I thought Jamal Muhammad looked really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, he His sort of, closing speed is, he gets a, is faster, a difference maker. Right? Like yeah. he, he gets so much faster when he sees that the, the quarterback is, is kind of dead to rights. It's those, it's those plays that you sort of expect. Usually it's the defender and the quarter, cornerback, a quarterback taking off together, and yeah. you, you almost expect the quarterback to be gaining yards at, at every step. And Muhammad just sticks with him. And he's able to make that play. And, and we saw him do that last week as well, uh, run down the quarterback. So that is a huge, huge advantage mm-hmm. uh, to be able to have for a guy on the edge because uh, you need that. You need that kind of speed. Yeah, 100%. So uh, all in all, big win for the Trojans, 66-14. to 14. We'll Take a quick break and talk more about this game and then open up the mailbag uh, as well here on the live car cast. Alicia, you know the only good thing about football season being over? There's literally nothing good about the football season being over. It's just an endless wait until the fall. See, that's where you're wrong. It's tournament season. The best way to take your mind off the endless wait. That is true. I may not want to watch the men play, but the USC women are pretty awesome. Exactly, but it's not just SC. There's high-stake basketball moments all over the country. But you know what? They get even better with prize picks. So you're saying the only thing better than watching Juju Watkins is taking the more on Juju Watkins. Bingo! 
You can now turn your hoops knowledge and love of Juju Watkins into serious cash because you can now win up to 100 times your money on prize picks with as little as four correct picks. Turn 10 bucks into a thousand bucks with college basketball, NBA, and NHL entries. Best of all, Price Picks lets you get on the action on more than 30 states across the country, including Texas, Georgia, and California. That sounds pretty good to me. Yeah, download the app today. Use the code Reign of Troy for a first deposit match up to $100. That's the Price Picks app with the code Reign of Troy for the first deposit match of up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And we're back. Let's keep talking about USC's win, 66-14, uh, over uh, the Nevada Wolfpack. Um, Alicia, we, we, we got a question from Lamont that said, uh, did they say why Cobb and Gentry didn't play? And is there any update, update on Gino, meaning Gino Quinones? Mm-hmm. Um, Riley, in the postgame presser, um, uh, this is from Chris Trevino of USCFootball.com. Riley said that no update on Quinones. Uh, fingers crossed, he said. Um, and then from our friend Keeley, um, Eric Gentry and Mason Cobb were not healthy enough to start today per Lincoln Riley. Riley said it had nothing to do with USC's opponent this weekend. I'm just speculating. I think there's a difference between not enough, not healthy enough to start today against Washington and not healthy enough to start today against Nevada. Does that make sense? Yes, one hundred percent. Obviously, like the the opponent didn't matter in in this in this quote, but I think that there, I I would love to know. Like in a push comes to shove situation, it's the it's the conference championship game. Are Cobb and Gentry out there? Absolutely, I, I would <laughs> I would wager. I, I, uh, he they said, were on the depth chart, weren't they? He said that he yeah, I got the depth chart right here. Uh, they they were on the depth chart, according to Luca Evans from the OC Register. Uh, Lincoln Riley said he didn't think the injuries were long-term. So we don't know what that means. Like, if they are available to play next week against Stanford, that pretty much tells us that they could have, they might have been able to push it. Now, we don't know. We don't Mm -hmm. know. And, you know, and and I I don't want players rushing back from injuries and and aggravating anything and, and making it worse. So I don't mind it. It's just a hell of a lot easier to sit out against Nevada than to sit out against Washington like you said so um I I don't know I it's gonna be hard to say because Riley doesn't give away a lot on injuries so it's almost the kind of thing where we we will never know but we'll find out a little bit more as the weeks go on and and see whether or not they're they're Mm -hmm. because like Okay, Stanford isn't Washington, but I also do think right. there's a big difference between Nevada and the Pac-12 opener. Sure. So. I, I will say, though, th- I have been very impressed with SC releasing depth charts the first two weeks, especially this week. Because mm-hmm. I think last week, last year, it was only one depth chart at the beginning, and then we never got another one after that. Mm-hmm. Um, there were There's been two depth charts, and both of them have been gospel. 
with the exception of the gentry and cop thing which yeah. makes me think that like but those were injuries the, like were, were, like were injuries later on in the week right yeah. and, and this thing was updated on the 30th which is what wednesday so yeah like it, it sort of checks out um so yeah we we could find out next wednesday where they put up an, a, a new depth chart um there was a question from fighting on mc about about Kinyonis if he's done for the season uh do we have someone to step in well Kinyonis did not start the game by the way um usc starters on the offensive line um were um monheim tarquin pregnon didich kingston um not in that order that's the number order uh, according to uh stat broadcast but if you look at the depth chart the the depth chart the sc put out um left tackle monheim left guard is pregnon center is didich right guard Jarrett kingston and right tackle Michael Tarquin. Uh Quinones is the second string guard. So yes, SC I think has some depth there because Quinones was not starting as it was. Having said that, there's there's I think a lot of dudes who could step in there. Um Pregnon and Nalani Noah have been sort of uh co-starters at left guard. They're, they're listed as an or on the depth chart, and we've seen them rotate through two weeks now. Uh, you know that guys like Mason Murphy uh, have been in and out of the, the lineup, not just through these first two games, but last year too. So I think there's guys, there's guys that SC is still trying to find the five guys on that offensive line that if Quinones is a long-term injury. Which, by th- the way, has not been, it, Riley didn't have an update. Right, there is no update. But if so. that is the case... I think this does come at a semi-fortunate time in that they haven't locked down the starting five yet and are still rotating guys in. So I don't know that we're going to see an actual effect of that yet. Well, it's it's going to be hard to say the effect of it because we... Because we don't can, know what the five we, is. Could, well, we know what we the five is going to be. But we right? don't know what Quinones would have been. That's, right. that's the thing is... Yeah. He, I, I thought he, he was having a pretty good start to the season and was very clearly working his way up into a, a large role in the rotation. So in that sense, right. it is, it is, if he's out for, you know, either a short term, short short term or a long term, um, the impact will be there in that USC can't rely on on him. Um, as being part of that rotation when he when he would have so like mm-hmm. I like we can't I don't want to I don't want to downplay it USC USC came into the season with a very thin uh, situation on the offensive line barely a two deep and Kenyon was part of that two deep barely a two deep mm-hmm. and losing him for any stretch of time means that you are thinner at the top and less capable of filling gaps if another guy goes down so like that's the issue there is is that it's just depth is difficult and usc was trying to figure out who their best five was and we don't know if quinones would have been in that there's a chance he would have worked his way into that five and and right it's going to be hard to know now because he's not available yeah 100 percent um oh big shout out to lamont in the chat by the way hey oh uh coming in with the with the super chat thank you big big shout out to lamont uh lamont from atlanta we met him in uh tempe a few years ago which was which was a fun time uh, a meetup that we had in 
for the ASU game. So he asks, what's the scoop on Relique Brown? Is this another Gary Bryant Jr. issue or a JT Daniels thing where he doesn't want to compete for his spot? Um, I, I, I think it's a little early to tell. I think it's it's a little early to say for certain. Um, I think it's very easy to read a Gary Bryant Jr. situation into this. I, it, it It's quite similar to what happened to Gary Bryant Jr. last year where mm-hmm. uh, he was not as involved uh, in the early stages of the season as expected. And then he went, he, he went into sort of a, a, a not factoring into USC's offensive plans situation. So right. um, we can't say f- for certain because we don't know for certain. Uh, but it's also not just, I just think it's not hard to read the room. It's not hard to read well, the room. He was, I, he was fourth string on the, on the first step chart before the San Jose State game. Going into Nevada this week, Drops in the, the pecking order down to the scout team to the point that he was not on um, the scout team or not on the, the the depth chart and did not suit up on um, uh, on Saturday afternoon. By the way, if you're playing our over-under game, we've eliminated that over-under. Yeah. Um, we got so many questions about, are you going to change it? I, somebody, I wish I would have remembered who exactly it was off the top of my head. Asked if they could. I, if, if we could change their answer, like yeah. these kind of things. And um, we just thought it'd be easier to just get rid of that thing. So um, you all get it right. Everybody gets it right, whenever it is. Yeah. Uh, so that, it, that, that'll be eliminated from the over-under game. We'll talk about that more on Monday. My my thing on my thing on really Brown is, is just, I, I can't be bothered by it. Yeah. Because because I look at this score sheet right now and I see Marshawn Lloyd and Quentin Joyner and like Austin Jones got two carries in this game. Right. And they were both very good carries. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were 14 players who caught passes in this game. Yeah. I, I kind of, I, I want to talk about that rotation. Um, keep, keep going. I don't want to cut you off, but like, we, no, we, I need, just, we need to talk about I'm, that. I'm just, I, I can't expend a lot of mental energy on worrying about what Relique Brown is going to do. Yeah. Relique Brown is going to decide whether or not he wants to be at USC and whether or not he wants to contribute to USC. At this point, I USC has players. They have right. an abundance of players. I, well, I, I'm sorry. I, it's the, the, the way I look at it, I, I was... I, I got home and you had the UCLA game on. Which, by wa- the way, you, UCLA is currently up 14 to 3. 14 to 13. Quarter. 14 to 13 in the fourth, yeah. third quarter. Um, There was a shot of Kyle Ford and you like, you see him in the, in the powder blue and you're like, oh, that's, that looks weird. Um, And I think you can look at it and, you know, feel disappointed, sad, any of those things from the SC perspective. But it reminds me of, if you're a Kings fan, maybe you remember this, going into the 2011-12 season, the Kings traded Wayne Simmons and Braden Chen for Mike Richards. And at the time, I'm like, brokenhearted. I love Wayne Simmons. Like, I don't want to give up Wayne Simmons. Don't want to give up Braden Chen. He's going to be the future center. Like, your future second-line center behind Kopitar. Like, that's what you don't want to get rid of, right? But then you have to remember but you're getting Mike Richards 
And then that allows you to later on get Jeff Carter, right? Like here's SC you, you lose Kyle Ford because you got Dorian singer because you have a, a, a roster that is absolutely loaded at, at the skill positions. When you've got a Zachariah branch, you've got Taj Washington, you've got Mario Williams, You've got Makai Lemon and Jacoby Lane and like all these dudes, Kyron Hudson. We never talk about Kyron Hudson, Kyron Hudson, Brendan Rice, Deuce Robin. You have all Michael these Jackson. guys. Yes. It, it you know, you, you can sit here and like work yourself into a twist about, you know, really Brown not getting the opportunity, but like he doesn't have the opportunity right now because of all these other dudes. And like, when you when you put it together and you're dominating a team, literally everybody you play on offense because SC's offense is that good, and especially in this game where they just completely roll through Nevada and they have a wide receiver core in which 14 receivers uh, catch a ball, 14 different Trojans catch a pass, how can you say that you miss Relic Brown? How can you say that you miss Kyle Ford? You can't, you you really can't like not to take anything away from those players. Those are guys that absolutely you want to have on your roster, right? Like you want all those, you want all the talent in the world that you want, but like, how can you say that SC misses them? You, you, You can't say that, right? Like, I don't I, know what else to say. I, I that's 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 my feeling. That's my feeling, and 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 I wouldn't hold it against. I did. I can't hold it against Kyle Ford that he left to go yeah. find his opportunities. I can't hold it right. against Gary Bryan Jr. that he left to go find his opportunities. Mm-hmm. And if Relique Brown decides to to stay, that's wonderful, and I look forward to seeing him make plays in in Cardinal and Gold. And if and if he doesn't. Then I wish him well, and and don't begrudge him looking for his opportunities. But that's the reality when you have a roster as stacked as USC does on offense, at least. Not everybody can eat, and by the way, a whole lot of dudes are are eating right now. Yeah, yeah. But not everybody can eat, so I, it it just. A whole it's lot of dudes are eating, but like they're not eating much. No, they're, they're not. They're, no one is allowed to gorge themselves <laughs> because you know. Yeah. I thought Mario Williams had a big game. I felt like every time I every time I blinked, Mario Williams was catching a pass. He four caught catches, four. Ca- he had four catches yards. for sixty six yards. Right. Well, this is <laughs> like this, he did. This is why I was talking to to one of our friends offline the other day. Like, oh, do you think do you think there's gonna be a guy that has like you know. 1700 receiving yards or something this year and just goes off with Caleb. No, no, no. I like, I honestly would not be shocked if there's not a single 1000 yard receiver. Yeah. Yeah. If, if SC just has four or five dudes with like 800 yards, I there, could see it. Like I could see it. Like that's what it's sort of setting up to be the U- case right USC's now. USC is going to rotate through every game two two dudes are going to be have like four to five catches and mm-hmm. be in the 75 yard mark and they're going to rotate through there's like six guys that they're going to rotate to through about who's going to be the uh the the one of those two guys in the game who are who are who have the big production of 75 yards yeah. and half of the time Taj Washington is going to be one of those two <laughs> 
Because that's who Taj Washington is. Th- three targets, three ta- catches, 75 yards, all two the touchdowns. He- all the headlines, Dorian Singer, all the headlines, uh, Zachariah Branch, all the all the hype, you know, Mario Williams and Brendan Rice. And it's Taj freaking Washington every <laughs> single game. He only needs to pop up twice. But man, when he pops up twice, is he going to go make some damn plays? Yes. I love that dude. I love that dude so much. Uh, I'm so ha- like I'm glad he he pops up three catches, two of them are touchdowns. And by the way, my favorite play of the game involved my two dudes of the year. My my dudes of the year so far are Taj Washington and and <laughs> and Marshawn Lloyd. And seeing Taj Washington catch a, catch a pass in the middle of the field and Marshawn Lloyd be out there in front hitting walking the, away hitting the block to yeah. spring him free to the end zone like just. Mm-hmm. That's Alicia the happy place is that play. Yeah. And I, the one over the top to to <laughs> up the middle, but also I, I, everything involving Marshawn Lloyd. Okay, you, you mentioned those those two plays. The the touchdown pass from Caleb Williams to to, to Taj Washington on the post, uh, and then he gets the block. Um it's Marshawn Lloyd, and there was somebody, was it Mario Williams who was also down there to potentially block? I can't remember who the other receiver was, but it was Lloyd who gets the the actual block off, right? Mm-hmm. I love that play because go back and watch Caleb Williams on that play, and he did this all game long, and I noticed it last week too. He has such control of the situation, and he's doing the thing that you see in the NFL where he's being very like deliberate on everything using his hands, calling his guys to go this way, go that way, do this thing, being patient, going through his reads, finding his guy, like just doing all the little things in the quarterbacking position to put his guys in the right spot and maximize their efforts. I thought Caleb Williams role in that play was great he was really good in that. Uh, the the pass up the scene to Marshawn Lloyd, like he runs, he he, he rolls to his right, and the whole time, like he he like he makes the little move to 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 Lloyd, like keep going, keep going, keep going, and then just feathers it right over the top, drops it into a bread basket that only Lloyd can catch it, uh, and he catches it and goes right up the middle. Um, you saw in the RPO pass, um, the the touchdown pass to. Uh, to Michael Jackson the third, brilliant use of the RPO, um, brings in, uh, uses the the fake handoff, pulls it, throws to to uh, Jackson right over the middle. Nobody there, makes the right read on the thing. Like just doing all the little things, all the little things that you need to do, and he's doing it in a year after he did all the little things too, like. Again, refreshing that SC has a guy, a quarterback, getting better. Yeah. When was the last time you saw an SC quarterback get better? After been, his after his big, it's his been big two decades. Season. Yeah, it's been two decades. It's been a really long time. Yeah, no. So Caleb Williams is is wonderful. Um, Lamont in the chat said, "I'm not sure about that, Alicia. You're forgetting about the four game redshirt role. I don't think Lincoln Riley will keep playing the freshman. Why waste a year? The thing is that the the wide receiver, you know, there's." The, you can play them all. The only freshman that I would protect in terms of receiving options right now is is like Makai Lemon. 
Lemon and Lane, maybe? Yeah. Yeah, and, and maybe in Lane. Yeah. Zachariah Branch is not going to redshirt. I'm already no. telling you right there. I don't, I don't think Deuce is not either. Deuce, yeah. I would be surprised if he redshirts, but, you know, I guess it depends. Um, but even if you take those guys out of it, we're still talking about Mario Williams, Taj Washington, Washington Brendan Rice, mm-hmm. um, Dorian Singer, Kyron Hudson, Michael Jackson, the third. So, like, that's just six. And we're not even talking about tight ends or running backs. So, right. uh, no, I, I I think you will see a lot of guys being filtered in and out. And, yeah, I think we'll probably start to see less of Makai Lemon and 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 uh, um, Jacoby Lane and, and those guys in in games where there isn't as much garbage time. Yeah. But uh, I'm, I'm interested about then, the redshirt thing, though, because... That exists absolutely at the same point. I don't know that it has been like it has been a thing that is stopping guys from getting on the field. Because I remember when it first came out in what like 2018, it was such a noticeable thing. Who was the who was the running back right off the top of my head? I can't think about it. The the running back that played in four games, like limited to exactly four games, and then he transferred. It's killing me. Someone in the chat's going to remember. Um, I, well, I'm thinking Dom Davis. And that's, that's not, not that's Dom not Davis. No. Um, anyways. Uh, no, but but the thing is, too, like, I don't think they care that much about redshirts. I don't because, think so either. Because here's the thing. Here's the thing. You can redshirt any of these guys, but if they're not getting playing time, they're transferring out anyways. So you're redshirting that, them for somebody else to use. It, it, it's sort of... That's true. Red shirts like, that, are not as that's, essential. That's weird to think about it, but it, but it is the case with, with the transfer portal. Not only that, but like you need to churn guys in and out as it is because you need you know that you're going to be able to go to the transfer portal. So even if you do burn through a guy's eligibility, you can you can replace somebody in the transfer. Portal. Like that sounds callous. It absolutely sounds callous. It sounds like you're like you're not value, valuing their development. Yeah. But I think that. But if, that's why players. I think I think young players and their advocates need to be thinking about this too. Not to get off, you know, terribly off topic, but sure. young players and their advocates need to be thinking about this too because it might come down to a situation where players are requesting to be redshirted. Mm-hmm. Rather than coaches deciding that players are redshirted, because like, yes, if I am, if if I'm Jacoby Lane or Makai Lemon, mm-hmm. I have to be realistic with myself and and recognize that like, or like at this stage, you know, Amarian Peterson, a, a running back, or um, or some of these guys, take your redshirt and spare your eligibility to give yourself options down the line if you can already yeah. see the writing on the wall. Um, that would be that would be sort of it. But if I'm a coach, if I'm a coach, I am not concerned about redshirting very much, unless it's offensive linemen and defensive linemen who literally need to develop. Right. They bodies. Need, need to bulk up. Yeah, yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Uh, before we go to the mailbag, um, we have notes now that we use for the car cast, and you wrote Bear Alexander is a dog with your last note. I mean, he's not a dog anymore because he left the Bulldogs, but. We didn't talk that much about Bear Alexander. You can't make a Michael. Like, <laughs> he's not a dog because he's a bear. Because he's a bear. Yeah. Um, we didn't talk a lot about Bear Alexander last week, I think. I think we just sort of mentioned that, yeah, he looks he looks big um, and mm-hmm. fast and all that kind of stuff. But Bear Alexander is a 
game changer for USC. I will say it again. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I did. I did get. I I got. I got some stick because I compared Bar Bar Alexander to CB2 Kolovatu, which is not about a comparison between players. It's a comparison between impact of a player right. in a defense. What Bear Alexander can do is something that USC has not had in a long, long time from a mm-hmm. big guy like that. He is so disruptive, and the stats do not do him justice in I, the slightest. I was thinking of that because there was the short yardage play. You should be like, they need to introduce a category of like of sack assists or tackle for <laughs> loss assists because Bear Alexander would lead USC in that, in that already in terms of being the guy that funnels the sack towards one of his teammates. Yeah, like so. There's the there was the 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 third and short, where SC sort of overloads in part because Bear Alexander just pushes the line forward. Jalen Smith and Jamel Muhammad are able to come in. Smith gets credit with the tackle for loss, um, but like it was Bear Alexander creating the space for those two guys to get into the backfield um, and make the play. But Bear Alexander, yeah, doesn't doesn't he gets nothing? He gets nothing on the on the uh, yeah. He doesn't uh, get on the old stats. They don't. They don't give him a stat. They don't right. give him a give him a thumbs up. Well, that was up the thing with with Stevie T. Stevie yeah. T. Yeah. Um, greatest that's, name in the that world. That was my thing. It's like Stevie T. Set up a lot of opportunities for the other players on that defense. And for sure. she didn't Green get the and, stats. And didn't get the stats. But right. but it's just so exciting to see a player of that caliber, you know, make that kind of impact uh, Im- immediately for USC. I so look forward to seeing him continue to progress and continue to to have an impact uh yeah. because i think it's it's just his presence is so important um it's just extremely exciting extremely exciting to yeah. to see that 100 percent. um all right we're gonna go into the mailbag here so if you're joining us live on youtube uh throwing questions we we've been tagging them uh and saving them for for now um before so if you done it already we'll we'll make sure that we get your question uh if you haven't done it yet throw your question in the chat i can put the word question at the beginning it helps us see uh those things in the chat um let's go to a question from cameron which backup and true freshman stood out to you on both sides of the ball offense what do you think okay on backup or true freshman backup or true freshman um i mean quit quentin joiner the, the easy answer is Zachariah Branch, but uh, that that's a cop out because obviously um, I, I was I was Quentin. sort of surprised he didn't get much run on offense in terms of uh, in terms of being a featured component. Mm-hmm. They did not run those option plays like they did yes. last week, and I am I, not mad about that. I I wonder if it's did they just not want to put those kind of exotic plays on film ahead of Stanford. Um, were those just fun things that they were trying out? Did they only put them on film against San Jose State so that way Stanford and ASU and Colorado can think about have them? To, like, they have I'm, to prepare for them? I don't, yeah. I don't know, but they, they didn't do those things. Uh, and Zachariah Branch was not on the field nearly as much as he was last week. But this is a game where everybody rotated, and it's mm-hmm. we've talked about it. These two non-conference games have a, had a big preseason vibe to it. So I don't know how much you can actually truly read from that. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. But um, but that's why you sort of have to take take what you see from all of these guys. It, like like I've been saying, 
there will be a Zach Branch game. There will be a Mario Williams game. There will be yeah. a Brendan Rice game. There will be, you know, a Dorian Singer game and all that kind of... They're just going to... The Zach Branch yeah. game was last week. Yes, but there will, yeah. there will be another one. Yeah. Um, no, okay, so the back backups or uh, freshmen... On Quentin, offense, yeah. Quentin, Quentin Joyner, I think, is... It looks like mm-hmm. a dude who can contribute. Um, I feel a nice a long li- touchdown run, 47 yards. I feel a little bit sorry for Darwin Barlow, is who's another guy I really like, but... It almost just feels inevitable that Quentin Joyner is becoming that sort of third running back option for USC behind Lloyd and uh, and Joy- Jones. So, mm-hmm. yeah. But, I mean, I, the, the, the kid can run, so I'm, I'm not complaining. I, I put on Twitter that Darwin Barlow is this team's Broderick Green. Um, Not like, yes, they're both physical backs. I'm not talking about how they play, but in the sense of, like, in a blowout, you see them in there and you're like, Damn, this dude could be good if he was the featured back. Yeah. But also, he's not going to be the featured back because there's these four other dudes. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that was the thing with Broder Green. If you remember, Broder Green was so good, uh, SC would be like oh, I was kicking the living for... hell out of Washington State, and then Broder Green would come in there. Screaming for Broder Green to, to get more playing time for a long time. And yeah. Just never happened. Hey, there were days that I thought that Desmond Reed might, yeah. be, as, might be as good as Reggie. Um, I was... I was weird, but to be fair, pre-injury, pre-injury Desmond Reed. Yeah. Incredible. Underrated. Damn you, Notre Dame. The, the, the real ones will we'll remember that one. Yeah. Um, okay, defense. Which backup or true freshman stood out for you? Um, I'm, I'll give a shout out to... Um, can I give a shout out to just the linebackers in general? Sure. I, yeah. I, Because they were all backups, <laughs> realistically. Right. I, I thought Shane Lee was out there... Mm-hmm. Looking, I saw I saw somebody I think in the chat say that Shane Lee looked as good as he's ever looked at USC, and I I, I would say that is probably true. I think that's the case. I th- I thought he was he was out there making plays. He was running people down. He was in pass pass coverage, doing well. Right. Um, he's making stops, so that was really good to see. And and I liked what I saw from Rajon Davis. I I, I think mm-hmm. that was a very encouraging performance from from Rajon Davis. Yeah, LA Fred says Braylon Shelby on defense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I I loved what he was able to do. Um, he was r- really long reach, got around, got around there quickly, got his hands on the ball. That's exactly what you want your defensive ends to do, especially one with as many accolades as Braylon Shelby has come in into this season uh, as a true freshman. Like that's ideally what you want to see. You want yeah. you want to see those guys uh, get off the mark early. Um, which is which is a good thing. Uh, Steven says grade on the linebackers, um, at least a B, right? Like a solid A, B. I think it's an A. It's a B if you include the penalty on T- Taga Curtis, but it's an A. It's an A for the for the for the actual play on the field. For the for the context of the game, yeah, I think they're put in a difficult position where the the two which might make it starters. more of an A with the Taga Curtis penalty because of because I mean. Yeah, those two guys had to play. Yeah, they 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 had to go out there and they had to get the job done, and they, and they right. did. Um, they weren't perfect, uh, you know. I thought Rayshon Davis missed uh, missed a couple opportunities to to make a play um, out on the uh, on the perimeter. Um, mm-hmm. Shane Lee is still slightly limited in in his um, I, speed, and he he still looked. Quick, so more than good. quick enough to, yeah. to make plenty of moves, I thought. Yeah. Um, um, the blitz up the A-gap that I talked about earlier, I thought was 
I, really, really nifty for me. Without having rewatched it to see if they were missing their mm-hmm. their gaps or anything. Like the run, the run defending was pretty on point. I can't really remember yeah. situations where there seemed to be misfits or anything like that. So, um, without having without watching it back to like verify that, yeah, I thought right. it was a good performance from them. Yeah, and you just look over the numbers. Um, uh, Ashton Hayes, uh, the co-starter, uh, co-starters on running at running back for Nevada were Sean Dollars and Ashton Hayes. Each had nine carries. Dollars thirty-three yards. Hayes fifteen. That's exactly what you want to do to those guys. One point seven yards for Hayes per carry. Three point mm-hmm. seven for Dollars per yeah. carry. That's what you want to do. Exactly what we want to do. Uh, Ram Murdy says, "Did this game help build the defensive depth that we need for the future?" I think so. At linebacker, I think absolutely. I think a you, lot think of you good s- reps. You you <laughs> saw out of you know Shane Lee, a guy that seemingly fighting for his his starting job to still be there, and showed why he was a captain. I think. Uh, and then you look at Rajon Davis put together a strong performance in a sort of must must see performance. I mean, for him, because this was the opportunity he might not get um, again with having all the guys out in front of him. Uh, Cause he is like third string on the, on the depth chart. So him being able to play the way he did, I think it was a huge opportunity for him to work himself into that rotation. Um, and then the defensive line just has so much rotation that. Yeah. I, I don't know that they're ever going to settle on like who the, the three are. I think they might end up, just creating multiple packages and just be flexible there. It uh, it's going to be really telling next week against Stanford, though. Uh, first Pac-12 game. You would you would, you would the, the, think, but we'll I still see, think there'll be a lot of rotation. We won't see the same kind of deliberate rotation, though, in terms of of, and they're never going to call it like preseason sort of mode, but it right. is out of conference, you know, cupcakes. So. It'll be very telling to see what kind of depth was formed in the first two games because we'll see who has earned the trust to play in a Pac-12 game. Right. Um, it's a little bit... I, a lot of guys got a lot of extensive reps, and that is very good for, for building depth. Uh, does that mean it's real depth, though, when push comes to shove and you're playing more important games? then we'll find out for real what that depth looks like. Yeah, for sure. Um, Lamont says, uh, Michael, you have to talk about how good of a football player Marshawn Lloyd is. Downfield blocking was insane. Not to mention his running and his receiving. Absolutely. I think we've talked plenty about that. And Alicia has been gushing over Uh, there about him. He's my dude. I can't come up with a, a rhyme to, to, that fits his fiddling fittingly as my guy vibe, but I'm just going to go roll with my dude. He's, he's my dude. Um, my boy Lloyd. I tried my no. boy Lloyd and I don't like it. No, I'm just going to go with my dude. Um, and I, I, I cannot get enough of his running style. I cannot get enough of that. Like the, the physics of, of, of the zero. I, I, it's, it's just, Anything rhyme with Sean? My my hero zero. My hero zero is not bad. I I think of Gilbert Arenas, but <laughs> that's 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 not Z- bad. Z- zero the hero. Um, 
my my elementary school uh the kindergarten teacher used to do um counting they do like the the number lines around the outside of the of the room mm -hmm. and every day of the school year they would sort of do put up the one and then the two and then the three and then four and sort of do the counting and um on like the 10 or whatever there'd be like a we'd all get little prizes or stuff like that and then on the 50 we'd all get whatever uh, the zeros and then when it got to 100 that's the day that zero the the hero would come to class and zero the hero was like a zorro looking sort of costume of that i found out later that the woman who i long considered to be like my aunt that wasn't actually related to to me that uh that martha was zero the hero <laughs> and i had no idea but she was is it like uh, a like a mask on or something yeah she'd wear like a zero uh, uh, uh like a zorro mask and she had like the zorro hat but then the, like the everything was zeros or whatever and they'd bring in um she'd bring in like donuts because they're zeros and it was like a whole thing in my elementary school and it's very niche but like the name of the thing was zero the hero there, I I think that that's what you got to roll with then. Yeah, zero the hero. Zero there the you hero. go. Um, Sean from Austin, Texas. Was that a scoop and score? Or did that count as a pick six? Uh, a scoop and score. Mm -hmm. um, Braylon Shelby forced it, forced it out. Um, it flipped in the air, and uh, Stanley Tafoe picked it up and uh, waltzed it into the end zone. Big, I think big play for Stanley T. Mm -hmm. Talk about someone who is. Just like Shane Lee fighting for their for their playing position, uh, for their for their role um, as you know someone who started last year and now has to compete against other guys this year, big big effort from him. Got got the big play there. Yeah. Um, looks good for him. Um, Lamont says question is uh, Deuce Robinson the second coming of Drake London only faster. I can't wait to watch his USC career. Look like. Hard to say that that's not the case. He, lo he looks like him. Yeah, we need we need to see how physical he is going up and that's getting a, a jump ball. That's true. We I think he had some some good catches last week where he was he had to sort of battle the the DB a little bit more. But mm -hmm. uh, this one it was he just got open and that's where we saw him create that separation, which was really nice to see. But. Yeah, it'll it'll take time before we see him doing Drake like the things that I associate with Drake London. Yeah, was not necessarily being wide open. It was out physicaling at every level. <laughs> so mm -hmm. we'll see. I, I think he has obviously he has the capability to do that, uh, but we'll have to wait and see him uh, actually show us those those plays. Yeah, a hundred percent. Richard said Coastal Carolina could be up right now, but UCLA just went up by eight. My question is, why does God hate us? Um, apparently, I just I just saw scrolling scrolling over. You said they put in Dante Moore, and he immediately threw a touchdown pass. So, mm, well, Ethan Ethan Garbers threw two interceptions. So, um, yeah, UCLA has a, a quarterback situation on their hands. I, I learned tonight, by the way. Um, our our friend Trinice is at the game. Um, sitting with the Coastal Carolina family because she knows someone who, who's playing on the team for Coastal Carolina. And she's like, why are they the Chanticleers? So we do some research. They are the Chanticleers because, um, and 
she's like, is there a connection? Because South Carolina is the Gamecocks. Well, they are the Chanticleers, which is a rooster. Um, because the Gamecocks are the Gamecocks. And it used to be USC Coastal. Like that, that was the name of the university until 1993 that it became Coastal Carolina University. So at that point, um, up until that point, they were called the, the Chanticleers because, you know, just like UCLA and, and Cal are both the Bears in the same university system. But the interesting part is this means that Coastal Carolina, A, used to be a USC, and B, <laughs> their name before they were the Chanticleers, before they became a USC, was the Trojans. So Coastal Carolina used to be USC, USC Trojans. and Trojans. Yeah. Not the same time, but USC and Trojans. Um, yeah. Big big shout out to Dan, by the way. Hey, Dropping us a, a super chat. Um, about this Carlos Sainz lead the first lap tomorrow in the uh, Italian Grand Prix. I haven't watched Quali yet. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll, I, we'll see what Ferrari can do. I love Carlos Sainz, but I know better than to put my faith in him or the Ferraris. <laughs> so absolutely not. It's it's a the Ferraris are gonna put his uh, tires on backwards yeah. as they as they roll to the yeah as they roll to the grid something. Uh, Lamont says, "Is is Jamal Muhammad the new Morgan Breslin?" I I think I. Okay. Let's talk about Morgan Breslin, one of my all-time favorite USC defensive players, a dominant force in 2012. He came from um, uh, the JUCO level up north uh, from Morgan Creek, I believe he was Morgan Creek. No, something Creek. Morgan. Am I, he was from Contra Costa, JC or whatever it is. Yeah, was it um, Morgan Creek? Isn't it Morgan? But Morgan is his name. That's what yeah, I'm getting. Morgan the Creek. Breslin. Walnut Creek. The, is Walnut Creek? Silent, Walnut Creek what, uh, might be where the Pac-12 used to be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyways, the um, he comes as a JUCO transfer and was dominant in 2012. He was the best player on the team in 2012. He was from Diablo Valley College. Diablo Valley. Born okay. in Walnut Creek, California. Walnut. There you go. So, sort of quarter right. Um, the, uh, he was so good. 18 sacks in 18 games. Yes. 13 of those came in 2012. Will he, will Jamil Muhammad get that many sacks? No, I don't think so. So like we were talking about, if he does, then USC's defense is much better off than we expected. On the flip side, look at, look at Thule last year. Look at all the production that Thule got. Like I never would have thought that Thule would have, like led the nation in sacks for like most of the season. Mm-hmm. And he did. So I think it's possible. Um, I just think that there's so many guys that they want to rotate on defense that I can't imagine that somebody is as productive as Breslin. On the flip side, are you talking about this as like this defensive player who comes out of nowhere and ends up just being this great pass rusher? I think Jamil Muhammad absolutely could be that guy. Absolutely. Like, I love the way that he looks coming off the edge. Like, he just, he gets faster when he gets in the backfield. Yeah, yeah. It's fun to watch. It is, it is very fun to watch. Um, I would love, I would love if, if we could be comparing him to Morgan Breslin uh, yeah. in terms of production at any point in the future. Yeah. But uh, I don't know, so long as Bear Alexander is funneling sacks out to the edge, yeah. <laughs> you can see it happening. The, the way Muhammad just slides in there he's got he's got the confidence i'll tell you yeah uh let's go to a question from randy uh this 2023 class looks like a very special one what say you um 
Yes. I wasn't expecting a recruiting question, to be quite honest. I mean, it 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 looks pretty solid. I think you uh, look at you look at the guys who have already made an impact. Uh, the guys who have scored touchdowns: uh, Quentin Joyner, J- uh, Zachariah Branch, Deuce Robinson. And the crazy thing is, like, we haven't even really seen Christian Pierce, and we've saw we've seen mm-hmm. little like because Christian Pierce was a star of 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 camp. Um, Elijah Hughes has gotten some playing time, but it feels like he's he's coming in for more eventually. Yeah. Um yeah. Alani Noah, like like we talked about earlier, could be the the solution to the Gino Canonius injury, mm-hmm. depending on how long uh, Alani Noah is is he the new Andrew Voorhees? Guy I mean, you just don't expect wonderful. to just come in and just somehow win the Win a starting job as a true freshman? That would be that I, I wouldn't be Possible? opposed if he can if he can hold down the job. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I look at the sort of the, the, the top of the class. Zachariah Branch already looks legitimate. I will still be putting my money on Malachi Nelson being the twenty twenty four starter. Uh we're already seeing stuff from Deuce Robinson. Um Makai Lemon has was able to make some plays tonight. I think he's probably, we're probably going to have to wait until next year to see him more just because of the, mm-hmm. because of the, the, all the things we've been talking about in terms of how many weapons USC has. Yeah. Braylon Shelby in game two forces, has a strip sack that results in a scoop and score. Yep. Quentin Joyner breaks free for a touchdown in, in game two. Tackett Curtis starts the first two games. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, this this class looks special. It's it's also very early, and and we're sort of going to have to see uh, how these guys continue to progress and and develop and get better and do everything. So yeah, yeah, I I, I agree. Uh, Ron says it sucks not knowing what quote injury Cobb and Gentry have. More transparency would be great. Also, I feel as reporters not doing a good job as they're all f- afraid to report openly. Okay, I am going to push yeah. back on on that part. Reporters not they're not afraid to do their job here. I think the yes, I think we I think everyone agrees with the exception of football coaches and not just Lincoln Riley. This is football coaches across America, everywhere at every level except for the NFL, which is mandated. Nobody wants to talk about injuries. Willing. Hey, the Big Ten is. Uh, They're going to mandate them. Going to yes. mandate yes. Uh, injury reports two hours before game time. Yes, which which will be nice. Yeah. It, it'll be nice to have those things. Absolutely. Um, but like this is just this is the nature of college football coaches wanting to hold everything close to the vest, mm-hmm. and because of you know uh, what benefits them, this is not reporters not wanting to cover the thing. Everyone that's in that room, everyone that's in that beat, beat job, if they had a way to report these things and still be able to, to keep get the access job. that they could, they would do it. Yeah. Um. So you know, I I don't think this is on on the the, the reporters. This is on this is absolutely on coaches. Yeah. In the country, Lincoln Riley, one of them, who keeps everything close to the best. This is why practices shut down. All of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a media thing. It's it's a coaching thing. I'm not overly complaining about Lincoln Riley for doing this because it's just the state of college football now. Is it's not like Lincoln Riley's the only one that does this. I wish he didn't do this, 
But like, he's not the only one that does. Like, Chris Peterson was notorious for this too. Yeah. Urban Meyer would have been like this tenfold. Pete Carroll at USC was a unicorn. Mm -hmm. Clay Helton was very, very willing to share information to a point about injuries if you asked. And that got him into a little bit of trouble because people just complained all the time about the injuries. So, like, I get why I get why coaches don't want it out there. I agree transparency would be nice. Yeah. But Lincoln Riley also does not care that, yeah. that you or I don't know what is wrong with Eric Gentry. Right, yeah. And then, you know, you look at hockey and everything's an upper body injury or a lower body and you know nothing, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, you know yeah. literally nothing. Like it, so it's, it's just all it's, the, the game. It's yeah. frustrating. It's frustrating. Yeah. I yeah. do think that... We're frustrated with you, for the record. Yes, yes, we are frustrated with you. I just... We just want to caution, like, don't misplace your frustration on reporters who are literally just doing their jobs and trying to keep their jobs. Because if you as a reporter go out and piss off Lincoln Riley by report. If you find out what's wrong with one of the players and you report that this is what's wrong with one of the players when you weren't supposed to, your yeah. publication loses their access. Not yeah. you. This, their pub, your publication does. Yeah. And this is not the thing of like, you know, doing puff pieces. So that way you get better access. Like, uh, that's not what I'm saying here when I'm saying that the media has to play, has to play the game. The media has to play the game literally because they they won't be there if that's the other way around. Or yeah. um, the flip side is the access that they have now just sort of goes away. Like you won't get be out there for the first fifteen minutes for everybody. Yeah. Um. So you know, no one wants to lose those th- kind of things. Yeah. All right. Next question we got uh, from Randy. Uh, with what you have seen so far of the defense, do you think that we can be top forty, top forty defense? <sighs> I feel better about it now than I did last week. Sure. Um, that I am not willing to stick my neck out and say yes yet. I have an in- Nevada is I not, have a I new mean, opinion just, on this. Just, I just, like, you have to be honest. Nevada was not a good offense and should not have put up a significant scare to the USC defense. And they didn't. And that means the USC defense did their job. But does that yeah. mean USC's defense, like, is a top 40 defense? I don't know because a top sixty defense should have kept Nevada in check too. I my new answer to this, uh, my new interpretation of this, is no. Because I think there's too many good offensive teams well, on Pac-12. SC's roster. The Pac-12 is so ab- absurdly loaded. Yeah. That I don't know how any of these teams can reliably have a top forty offense. Because of the things that they're playing against, teams that they're playing against. Case in point, we talked about it last week in the preview, or a few days ago in the preview to preview the Nevada game. You look at the numbers, and oh, Nevada is so poorly ranked. And we were talking about like there were, you know, 102 in this and 104 in that. And like, oh, that's not good. And then you juxtapose those to SC's defensive rankings, where SC was in 120th. Like, that sounds even worse, right? But you have to remember that Nevada was playing Wyoming and San Diego State uh, and Air Force last year, and SC was going up against DTR and UCLA. Yeah. Okay, so so maybe the framing, instead of talking about, like, top 40 defense, which 
I don't know. I, I, so I'm still willing to say, we, is the framing more about putting it in, into the context of the Pac-12? Sure. Like, if you are a top four Pac-12 defense, you're probably doing okay. No, no. I think that's I think that's that's a good way of putting it. The other thing is a lot of the the metrics like SP Plus, where you look at the, whatever the rankings are, it's going to be adjusted by opponent, and like that will be factored in there, right? So like that that'll play a role. And you look at those numbers. SC defensively is not as bad as the 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 total numbers show you. Uh, S yeah, SC in like pass defense was like 128th or whatever it was. Uh, but but if you look at the SV plus there, I can't remember off the top of my head, but it was probably like one hundredth or whatever, right? Like yeah, that's better than one hundred and twentieth. Still still horrible, right? But like I think you you could end up in a situation like that where by the numbers, by the total numbers, SC still might be like the ninetieth worst defense in the country, but maybe by the metrics that puts them around top 50 and that could be good enough. But but again remember we've been throwing out the top 40 defense whatever it is just yeah. just as a way to sort of create a metric. But we've also always said from the beginning that it's about the high test in the end. Right. Um you I mean there I can see a I can imagine a context where USC's defense gives up 35 points in a game and we are sitting there going that was a really strong defensive performance. Yeah. Um because when you're playing you know, a team, a team like Washington with Michael Penix, like that's all you can hope for when you're playing a Bo Nix organ that maybe that's all you can hope for. It's about, did you get the stop when USC needed the stop to be gotten, which mm-hmm. is something we've talked about that USC's defense didn't do often enough Right. against the lesser opponents. They didn't do it often enough, often enough to close out a game and just put it to bed mm-hmm. and against the better opponents they, you know, there there was always the the pressure of like it's the last team with the ball kind of situation, right. um, and ending up in a situation where you lose to Utah because you can't get the stop in the end, and you squeak by UCLA because Dorian Thompson Robinson throws it at Corey Foreman who's out of position. Like, you know, it 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 sort of levels. Yeah, a hundred percent. Sean from beautiful Austin, Texas says. Uh, is this the last year of the Pac-12 that it's the most loaded? Every team has a gunslinger. Every team has a dude or dudes catching the ball. Yeah, it's sad, right? Like, it's it's awesome and sad at the same time. It's awesome that the Pac-12 is going to go out with, like, this amazing year that I think we all see. I think you can make the case right now that every Pac-12 team looks better than they were last year. Just about. In, I mean, we we haven't necessarily seen anyone but but Utah play a uh, a team with a pulse. I, I guess Utah and Colorado, um, but like everyone looks good. Everyone is is doing what they're supposed to be doing, and it's going to be really damn exciting. And that is awesome. And it's also sad that like this meant nothing to the future of the conference. Like that's depressing. Yeah. Um... Yeah, because the timing was all wrong. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, for for the record, Oregon State was the best defense in the Pac-12 last year, according to SP+. And they ranked 16th. So, maybe you, like, adjust your number to judge top 40 from, like, where is the top-ranked Pac-12 defense? Sure. And then 
start that as number one. Yeah. <laughs> Go down the way. Yeah. Uh, Lamont says, how good is the Colorado shaping up to be? They're uh, two Heisman candidates versus ours. Yeah, I the the Colorado thing is the most shocking thing of this entire day for me. Uh, more so than um, Chelsea crap in the bed against Nottingham Forest. I, like, I thought for sure that I, I, I've talked all offseason that I have not thought that the Deion Sanders experiment in Colorado is going to work. It might not, but week one is showing that it already is. Um, and his kid at quarterback looks incredible, looks absolutely as good as people thought that he could be in the perfect scenario. And he's already there in week one. I think that makes that game at the end of the month scary as it stands right now, I think we need to see more. We need to see Colorado continue to do that. So you add it. We, we talked about it in the, the I think, the um, preseason predictions episode. The worst case scenario for the SC Colorado game, we said at the time, was like if Colorado uses their talent to to score a couple of big plays and then it's since it's a road game, anything weird can happen in a road game and things go from there. I think that is the case still, but on top of that, you look at like, but they might be better than just that top end talent, just randomly talenting. You know what I mean? So yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. It's still early, but yeah, I, that, that, that looks like it's not going to be the, the pushover that maybe we thought it was yesterday. No, I, I think that what we have seen in college football over the last couple of years is to stop underestimating roster turnover, roster flips. Um, and one of the things that we talked about with Colorado is that that roster flip was chaotic, mm-hmm. but they added a bunch of really good talent in right. doing so. And, and Dion Sanders drew in some really good talent in the transfer portal. So the talent level at Colorado has has risen. And I'll be honest, that offense run by Shooter Sanders um, and uh, with uh, with Edwards, the, the running back, they look like they can go. They, that, that offense looks yeah. like it could it could trouble USC. Uh, now remember though that like TCU's defense was <laughs> wasn't great last year and looks like it got worse. Um, but like from a USC perspective, that should be a worry because USC's defense is realistically in the area of where TCU's defense is. Like I, I wouldn't expect USC's defense to be significantly better than TCU's defense. So um, that is something to to keep an eye out. But also Colorado was really hyped for that game. You could see it. They were ready to go prove people wrong. And now we need to see what they look like when people are expecting things from them uh they also get Oregon a couple weeks before USC so that'll be really telling to um to see the extent to which this flip worked uh because I, I think there is a universe where TCU has just taken a huge step back they don't have their Heisman winner at quarter quarterback and the quarterback was just not at the level that they needed the defense really took a step back all of those things um National title hangovers are a thing. Not national title loss hangovers are definitely a thing. So there's a lot of factors that are that are going into it. But I do think Colorado looks much, much, much improved, and should be a game that USC circling as 
is dangerous. Mm -hmm. Um, But we also still don't know exactly the extent to which Colorado is, uh, you know, a legitimate, a legitimate team because it's so hard to put TCU in context in itself. Yeah. I I will say it's still week one. Um, We need to see more. Um, my, by the way, my prediction all off season was that, yeah, Colorado was going to crash and burn, but I said that they were beating See, Nebraska in week two. Yeah. You did say that. I've said that since, since rule and, and Dion got hired that he's beating Nebraska in week two and that they were going to get ranked after that. Yeah. They might um, be ranked before that. They might be ranked before <laughs> that. Um, but like, so See, I, I didn't want to put a prediction on what Colorado would be. Cause I still, I, I going into the season, I had no idea. Um, I was just rooting for them to suck because I'm a hater. So, you know, whatever. Yeah. I mean, who isn't, right? I know. Like, the, the other thing is, it's week one. Uh, you remember, like, 2014 when everyone wanted to anoint Kenny Hill as, mm-hmm. like, uh, the, the the Heisman winner because he threw for, like, 500 yards in, in, in week, week one, one against yeah. South Carolina? Like, I'm not saying that Jitter Sanders is, is Kenny Hill, but, like, also... Let's let everything play out. So many a team has been crowned for a week one performance yeah. against a team that we thought would be good that isn't good. You know, yeah. there's a there's a lot of factors. But uh, also, I'm a hater, so you know, you take take my words for what they are. Mm. I'm not rooting for Colorado in this context. Uh, I do want to call attention to something that uh, LA Fred in the chat said. Oregon State gets San Jose State tomorrow Sunday. That will be a way to judge our defense in comparison. Um, yeah, I am really, I have that game circled. I'm really looking forward to that game. Mm-hmm. Oregon State had a really good defense last year. Uh, Oregon State has DJ Uyunglele, so I was going to tune in anyways because I'm very curious to see how that experiment is going to work. Yeah. Um, but the fact that they play San Jose State is an even better uh, litmus test for putting that San Jose State game into a little bit more context because if, they handle Cordero without a problem, then I'm going to take that under advisement for how I'm thinking about USC's defense. Yeah. I, I expect that Oregon state will handle Cordero pretty solidly um, because Oregon state was very good on de- defense last year. So they were the only ones that handled Caleb Williams. Yeah, they were, so. They're starting from a better place in that yeah. sense, but um, it's still a road game. That, that game is in San Jose. So, who knows? Who knows what that means? We'll, we'll, we will see. Uh, we got a question from uh, Wind and the Sun. Uh, no words on earth and fire, but Wind and the Sun asked us, uh, are we worried about the D's continued vulnerability uh, to, to big plays in one-on-one situations with wide receiver and a quarterback? Cornerback? Uh, is it a tackling issue? Our corners can't tackle after getting beat. I think it's more a getting beat issue. And once you've gotten beat, it's hard. Like usually you're just not in a position to tackle mm-hmm. um, in, in the context of a one-on-one wide receiver versus cornerback situation. Um, I would say I am worried about that vulnerability, but that's a, that to me is a schematic philosophical vulnerability. USC, and we talked about this a little bit last week, Defensively, what Alex Grinch wants to do is be aggressive and force the opposing team into mistakes. And part of that philosophy means that you're going to be sending blitzes, you're going to be doing sort of exotic coverages and stuff. And a lot of times that's going to mean putting your corners on an island and trusting them 
to take care of business because you've right. sent the you've sent the safety on a blitz. Mm-hmm. Um, so, am I worried about it? Yes, because getting beat is not good and can undo a lot of other good work that the defense does. Um, but am I worried about it in the sense that if the defense is doing what it's designed to do, you will give up those occasional big plays, but you will live with them because you are causing more havoc plays that result in games like the one that we saw here against Nevada. And I know it's a bad example because Nevada is not the offense by which we judge what they can do to USC's defense. But in theory, this game is a blueprint wherein you can afford to give up two big plays that result in two touchdowns because your offense is going to score seven touchdowns and your job is just to make all the other stops and if you give it if you give up two touchdowns that's that that doesn't matter because on the whole your aggressive defense resulted in them not getting touchdowns the other six drives that they had that were meaningful. Mhm. Yeah, I I I think so it's it's about, you know, finding the consistency and it's about finding a way to just continue to improve. I and think. it's about keeping that like success rate on the 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 dry on the opposing drives down to you know 25 percent instead of like the 50 percent we saw that we saw at times yeah so it's yeah it's a it's a high wire act but if you can pull it off it's great uh you just it's also a very scary thing to behold if somebody's not skilled enough to to do it yeah yeah for me consistency was the thing that we wanted to see um, after the first game, um, and that's what SC did in this game. SC was very consistently good on just about every play, with the exception of those big breakdowns. I will absolutely take that. And then you look to take away the big plays, and then when you take away the big plays too, then you're even better, right? Yeah. Like, like that's that's the hope. Obviously, you're going to play much better offenses um, as the season goes on, but you got to start somewhere. You got to. And as we said at the beginning, SC has played many a bad team and not made them look bad. Uh, SC made Nevada look bad in this game, which is which is the big the big deal there. So, all right, I, I think it's going to wrap up the the game there or the uh, the car cast there. Um, just want to run through the scoreboard really quick. By the way, um, UCLA currently leading South. Uh, sorry. Coastal Carolina, 27-13. Looks like they're going to get a win uh, there. Washington, big winners, 56-19 that was a, over Boise State. That was a very close game for most of the first half, though. Um, and then Penix just completely blew up. Penix went wild right before halftime. They scored 28 points in the second quarter and blew the doors open. Yeah. Uh, Oregon beat Portland State, 81-7. to uh, A game in which... <laughs> Uh, the Ducks had like 700 and what was it? 729 total yards, 38 t- uh, first downs. Puddles the Duck had to do 550 some odd well, push-ups. It's because the push-ups, it's, it's not factorial, but it's football factorial. Yeah, it's right? every like, every time they score, every, every, <laughs> every time you score, the Duck does that 
Yeah. The, the total number of points that you have on the board does it. So when you scored 75 or what, yeah. 74, whatever, whatever. You're doing 7 you're plus doing, 14 plus 21 plus... Yeah, yeah, yeah you're, doing, you're doing the 71. And then when you get up to 81, you're right. doing 81. So, yeah, it's a whole... Yeah. It's a whole thing. I uh, am jealous that Oregon scored 80. I wanted uh, USC to score 81 as well. Mm-hmm. But also Portland State is an FCS opponent. They are Portland State. Yeah, uh, exactly. So. Um, of course, Colorado gets the win over TCU, 45-42. Uh, Cal, big winners over North Texas, 58-21. I think that looks good for Cal going on the on the road. Cal's offense North was Texas. what? Most of the most of the teams in the Pac-12 put up fifty plus points this week, and Cal was one of them. Yeah, you feel really damn good if you're Cal. Now, I mean, them giving up twenty one points defensively, I expect their defense to be mm -hmm. at least somewhat decent every year, and so that's maybe a little bit of a surprise. But North Texas is also a a team that has had some good offenses in the past. Now, I I want to know the Cal people. Did you go to Bucky's? There's the Bucky's in Denton. Did you go to the Bucky's in Denton? <laughs> I need to know. Uh, Wazoo, big winners over uh, Colorado State, fifty to twenty-four. Again on the road in Fort Collins. Yeah, got you. If you're Washington State, you feel very good about that one. You yeah. have to. Absolutely, Arizona taking care of business, doing what they needed to do, thirty-eight to three over Northern Arizona, a team that they lost. Uh, they lost to what is it two years ago? Mm-hmm. Whatever. So, yeah, Jet Jetfish is. Um... Doing the thing is, is building a program that's yeah. that's. I mean, I don't. Arizona's not going to like compete for the Pac-12, but they are now in a position where they don't have to worry about their out of conference schedule, which is where they were before this. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, of course, Utah beats uh, Florida twenty-four to eleven. Uh, ASU over Southern Utah 24-21 in a weird rain game that a long delay. I'm going to give Kenny Dillingham and the Sun Devils a little bit of a pass here because uh, when there was a like two and a half hour lightning, it might have been even three hour lightning delay. I went to sleep before this game restarted. So uh, yeah, I'll I'll give him a little bit of a pass. That was just weird. So, uh, you know, you got the win, you got out and no harm, no foul. Yeah, then there's Stanford, 30, 37 points on the road at Hawaii. Um, Ashton Daniels is the guy who won the job. I, I, I don't no. think that was one of the names that I even remember from the season from the preview. Season preview. Was that was that one of the, I don't even remember that name. It's a very generic name. It I, is, I, but I don't like I don't even remember it. Um Ben Urasek had nine catches for still 138 ben yards. Like Yeah. So what, what he, is it? That taxes and Stanford and having these tight ends still. That's just cir- circle Eurosec as the mm-hmm. as the uh what no, what number is number yeah. 84. That is who you're looking for right. when USC plays Stanford next year. Yeah. Look, it, the the, the previews already done. Our Wednesday episode done. 84. That that's the that is it. Yeah, just just look for Ben Urasek. Yeah. Uh Matt in the chat, undefeated pack through week 1. Yeah, that's what that's that's the way it looks. Yeah. Uh, well, we'll see tomorrow. Uh, uh, Oregon, Oregon State, State and yeah. and San Jose State. Uh, you got the accent over, so it is San Jose State, by the way. Um, <laughs> so yeah, we'll see. Uh, Pac-12 hitting pumpies in week one, and that's what uh, that's what you want to see for a conference going out the door in what should be the best season ever of the Pac-12. So, all right, I think that's going to wrap us up. We've gone 
an hour and 46 minutes. Uh, LA Fred in the chat says it's still 174 folks watching here, which is a nice testament you, to Michael and Alicia. I will say that if you say that. So yeah. thank you. Thank you. Thank you to everyone who uh, who comes out here and, and watches us. and Two hours after a game. Joins too. us in the yeah. chat. Yeah, it's, it's pushing 11 o'clock uh, yeah. Pacific. So... Especially if you're a, if you're an East Coast person, like you're extra special and and beloved. Yeah. Uh, but you know we're happy to be here and we love talking USC football. So. Yeah. It makes the hour and forty seven minutes go by very very fast. Yeah, hundred percent. So, all right, uh, we're gonna wrap up there. We will be back on Monday, Monday five p.m. Pacific for our Fallout episode. Uh, we'll take your calls from the rant line, of course. Uh, we'll look back at the over under, see who picked what. And how you did and all of that. Um, also, um, remember to join us on YouTube. Um, like the stream. Be sure to hit the, the like button here. Hit the subscribe button if you're not subscribed. That helps us uh, join the show as well. Um, and um, you can become a member of the Rot Squad. For $4.99, you get all of our bonus content, including our Thursday night um, right after dark shows, which I say that, and this week, hold on on that. We might have to reschedule our Thursday night game, our Thursday night um, right after dark this week. So um, that might be moved to a different day. We're gonna we're gonna talk about it yeah. in, our, in our Discord because you get access to the Discord in uh, as a Rot Squad member for nine a month. You get all of our bonus content, plus access to the Discord, plus the bonus uh, right after dark show. Usually every Thursday night, 9 p.m., uh, which is a fun little hangout. Last week we went, uh, two, literally two days ago, we went for like an hour and it was almost two hours. We were just hanging out with people. It was, mm-hmm. it was, a, it was a really fun time. Yeah. Um, so uh, we enjoy that. Ram Murdy says, what time will the car cast be next week? Whew. The game's at Late. 7.30? Does that mean it ends at 11? Oh, man. It's also uh, going to be like a true card cast, maybe. We we will announce um, we will announce what time the car cast will be every er, du- during the game or near the end of the game. We will let you guys know what time the car cast will be. Yeah. Normally, ninety nine percent of the time, conventional game times, it'll be two hours after the game ends. That's what we're sort of aiming for: two hours after the game ends. For a 7.30 kickoff, um, we haven't finalized yet, but I will say uh, it should it should happen less than two hours after the hopefully, game ends. Hopefully. We will try to get it, on, get it going as quickly as possible after that game ends because I don't want to be staying up, uh, you know, <laughs> I don't want to be, be up at 2 a.m. doing a, doing a car cast. I know you guys don't want to be dances Sunday morning, up, car yeah, cast Sunday brunch. morning car cast brunch. <laughs> maybe, maybe, yeah, that's maybe, the maybe that's what we'll do, but, yeah. uh, we will let, we will make it very clear on our social media, um, on YouTube, we'll schedule it. Uh, so keep an eye out there, but, uh, that's sort of going to be a unique situation for the seven thirty kick against Stanford. As I said, most of the time, if it's not us, if it's not a late, late kick, it will be two hours after the end of the game. Yeah, that for home games. For home games, road for games, road games, it will be immediately following. Yeah, the game. just just about immediately. Yeah. So, uh, all right, uh, that's that's where we stand. So, uh, we will see you guys next time. Until then, 
Um, yeah, see ya. See ya. See ya. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.